0: Welcome to another edition of the official Jets podcast powered by Amazon Web Services. The opponent preview series rolling on here. EA and I breaking down the Denver Broncos or the Jets take on in week four on Thursday Night Football. And we're joined by Eric Delala, the lead writer of Denver So we'll hear from him and EA. I feel like this Broncos team is interesting, to say the least, because, you know, they have a young quarterback with Drew Locke. They get new weapons with. Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler to go along with Cortland Sutton. And of course they have Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. But I almost feel like I don't know what to make of the Denver Broncos. They just feel like a kind of a question mark right now to me.
1: I do feel like they're kind of a question mark as well, but, but could, would either one of us be surprised if Denver is sitting there in December and they're within striking Distance of uh playoff berth. I certainly would not be. Kansas City, the overwhelming favorite in that AFC West, but the Broncos have a, a lot of good players on both sides of the football. I think about the defensive front first. Von Miller is a terror. Bradley Chubb only played four games last season, and now he's going to come back healthy. You add Jarrell Casey to the mix, And that line can give you a lot of problems if you're not on your P's and Q's up front and you're making sure you're taking care of business. And for the Jets, they're going to have to have a balanced attack when they play the Denver Broncos. Although there are similarities between the Jets and the Broncos, I think the Jets are further along where they're at than where the Broncos are at.
0: I think the Broncos on paper have a lot of talent. And then, of course, you know, I feel like we have to talk about Drew Locke because rookie last year, he got placed on IR, he comes off, and he really finished the season well. And I, I feel like I, I read a lot of articles that were encouraging in terms of Drew Locke and his progression, but I'm curious to see... What he does this year with new offensive weapons in a weird offseason with a new offensive coordinator. It just feels like the Broncos right now are a lot better on paper and we'll see what happens when the Jets and Broncos finally meet on week four in prime time
1: team certainly transition. You mentioned Locke. It's interesting the connections between these ball clubs because Joe Flacco was opening day starter for the Denver Broncos last year. Then he went out and the Broncos gave the ball to the young rookie. He's an athletic player, and we saw that at Missouri. He can keep plays alive with his legs, but he keeps his eyes down the field, and he can make every throw. But how are they going to block him up front? I have question marks about the Broncos' offensive line, and the Jets actually took one of their pieces in the offseason. Conor McGovern coming here as Joe Douglas revamped that Jets offensive line and you know while the skilled players are talented around him how are all those pieces going to fit immediately because it's nice to say hey Jerry Judy was a great route runner at Alabama and he's an explosive guy but it's his first year under Pat Shermer and those guys they have not been on the practice field at all. The same can be said for K.J. Hamler, another speedster. A guy can make plays happen with the ball in his hands, but he's never went through an NFL offseason before. Then in the offensive backfield, you have Philip Lindsay, who's been productive throughout his National Football League career here in the early stages, but the Broncos went out and got Melvin Gordon as well, so how is that going to work? Are those guys going to share time in the backfield a 50 50 split do you go with the hot hand so uh, while they do have talent it's like how is it all going to work in a
0: short amount of time and you mentioned Shermer coming aboard yeah I totally agree with that and I, I think that it'll be very interesting to see how all these pieces come together especially considering the offseason right now is all virtual and let's hear from leadbroncos.com writer Eric Delalla on what he thinks of this Broncos team Eric, I, I want to start off with the draft here because I feel like John Elway, similar to Joe Douglas wrapping his arms around Sam Darnold, feels like John Elway is wrapping his arms around Drew Locke, especially with the additions of Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler to go along with Cortland Sutton.
2: Yeah, a lot of similarities, I think, between these two teams in terms of how they're embracing those young quarterbacks. And like you mentioned, Jerry Judy and C.B. Lamb were both on the board there at 15. Uh, probably the Broncos heaven in that situation. John Elway said later they did a bunch of mock drafts and Judy never made it there. Uh, they always had to trade up for him, but obviously the way things fell, they had their pick and selected Judy. And, you know, that was somewhat of a, a surprise maybe that they were there, but the real surprise came in round two when they picked KJ Hamler, the the speedster from Penn state. He's a guy that in the slot can stretch defenses and Yeah, I think they did everything they possibly could to give Drew Locke the chance to succeed. There's going to be no excuses now for Drew if he doesn't go out there and perform at the level that they're hoping, which is good enough to bring the the Broncos back to the playoffs.
1: A lot of connections in the National Football League. The Jets just picked picked up Joe Flacco, who started the season last year in Denver before Drew Locke took over but what did you make of what you saw out of luck in his first playing experience extended playing experience
2: yeah I mean with Drew listen the talent is there and that's why he got drafted in the second round that's why he was being talked about as a top 10 pick when we went into the draft a year ago some of the concerns about him you know his accuracy throwing off his back foot being consistent those things were prevalent to some degree in the preseason much less so by the time he came back at the end of the season after being on IR for eight weeks. In part, everybody said that that time really helped drew Uh, it, let him sit back. It let him process things. And obviously in Denver, kind of the natural quarterback comparison is Paxton Lynch because he was drafted in 2016. He's that last QB that they drafted high. And you know, Paxton, there were kind of chatter about him playing a lot of video games. He never really took advantage of the chance he had. Drew's been completely the opposite. There were stories of him during OTAs, staying up until one in the morning, reading play calls to himself in the mirror, uh, recording himself and listening to him back on the bus on the way to practice. And so I think that work ethic both helps him when he was finally able to get in there and also prove to his teammates that he can be the guy and. You know, that more than anything, I think, is important because your teammates have to believe in you at the quarterback position for this whole thing to work, and they definitely believe in Drew from that perspective. And then his talent, when he gets on the field, is evident. He had a throw to Cortland Sutton in his first game against the Chargers that was absolutely perfect, you know, about a 30-yard strike to the right corner of the end zone. He had a throw off his back foot in Houston when he threw for over 300 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, he's got the talent and now it's just, can he be consistent enough? Can he take that step forward? He'll have help. Like you mentioned with Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Cortland Sutton, Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay, obviously both pro bowl running backs. I personally think Noah Fant might be his favorite target because just from a mismatch perspective, the young tight end, I think can take a step forward here in year two. But now it's just, you know, can he do it? Because everybody talked about Baker Mayfield out in Cleveland kind of the same way going into year two. And and he didn't really do that. And so now Drew's got to make sure that he, he does his part.
0: So you mentioned some of the flaws in Drew Locke's game, especially his rookie season and the preseason more so that you mentioned. But what are some maybe not so much with the talent around him, but what are some technical things that you think Drew Locke needs to improve on entering his second year?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's still knowing when to uh, make some the right decisions. He forced some throws uh, that he would tell you he shouldn't have made, and that led to a couple of interceptions, one against the Chargers, one against the Texans. Uh, He still throws off his back foot at times. I think he needs to get set a little bit more. His accuracy was somewhat of an issue at times, especially early in games when he was trying to settle down. But I think the, the biggest thing for Drew is not necessarily technical it's, you know, being smart. This this is a guy that ran around a lot at Missouri and made plays and that's fine. That's great. That's part of his game. But he took some shots there at the end of the season. Uh, I think it was week 16 against Detroit. He was scrambling and just got blasted out of bounds and it drew a, you know, a late hit penalty, but still that 15 yards is not worth it if Drew Locke is out for eight games because this team is set up with Drew, I think, to make a push for a playoff spot. But without Drew, and this is no offense to Jeff Driscoll, the backup quarterback, but without Drew, this is not a playoff team. And so he's got to just he's got to learn, you know, how to take care of himself in the NFL, how to get out of some of these bad plays, just throw it away. And that's kind of the case with any young quarterback, right? That's just a, a learning process that some of these things you can do in college, you can't do at the next level.
1: All right. We all love talking offense and both these teams have young quarterbacks, of course. And I actually have an additional offensive question that we'll get to later. But let's flip to the defensive side of the ball. This Broncos defense to me, guys, on paper, it's relatively stacked. You just added a pair of veterans there in Denver in quarterback A.J. Bouye and also impressive interior defense alignment, Jarrell Casey. I guess let's start up front. What is Casey going to do to help Von Miller and Bradley Chubb on the outside? And I think people are also overlooking the fact when Jets fans might be looking at the Broncos that Chubb only played four games last year. Mm -hmm. So if he's healthy, you got him and Von Miller on the edges, and now you're adding this menace in
2: Casey. Yeah, well, let's start with what Chubb and Vaughn were before Casey got there. And in their one season together when Chubb was healthy, Chubb had 12 sacks and Vaughn had 14 and a half. And they were really impressive. I mean, against the Rams who went on to the Super Bowl that year, Chubb had three sacks as a rookie. Uh, they tormented opposing quarterbacks. And then last year, that didn't really happen. The Broncos didn't have a sack through their first three games, It didn't force a turnover until week five. And everyone was kind of like, but well, where's this Vic Fangio defense we've heard about? But things started to get going a little bit. Chubb tears his ACL week four against the Jaguars. And Vaughn, you know, he dealt with some knee issues the rest of the year. He had a career low, I believe, you know, for a full season. He had uh, less in uh, 2013, but only had eight sacks. And so the pass rush wasn't quite what it has been. And now you bring in Jarrell Casey, a guy who's had at least five sacks, you know, every season, I think for the last seven years, made five straight Pro Bowls. He's a guy, I think, one, the positional versatility of him. If you put him at defensive end on the same side that either Chubb or Vaughn is lining up on, what's a what's a tackle supposed to do? I mean, then you've got to put a running back out there to supposedly block Chubb or Vaughn. I don't think that's going to go very well. But to be able to have that interior push from Casey if he's playing at the nose, I mean, that's going to help one of them out because you can't double team all those guys and so i think the pressure up front should help the back end because that's kind of where i still have questions you mentioned aj boye but i'm not so uh, certain how that cornerback group's going to play out
0: can you just elaborate that a little bit obviously chris harris goes to the division rival chargers and then i just kind of curious what do you think the state of the secondary is with a guy like aj boye and of course uh, justin simmons and the, and the uh, back end there
2: Yeah, Justin Simmons, a second-team All-Pro last year. Uh, He's kind of a rising star on the Broncos' defense. I think you could argue he's their best player. Uh, Franchise tag currently, I know they're working toward a long-term deal. We'll see if that gets done or if he plays the year on the tag. Uh, You've got Kareem Jackson next to him at safety, a Pro Bowl alternate last year. They're arguably the best safety duo in the league, and I know you guys have a good one out there in New York. But cornerback is where I have questions because you've got Boyer, who in 2017 was really good, but he was playing alongside Jalen Ramsey, and now he's the unquestioned number one in Denver. You've got Bryce Callahan, who he came over uh, from Chicago last year in free agency, and he was a nickel purely in Chicago and was expected to kind of take on that outside cornerback role in Denver. Suffered a or kind of re-aggravated a foot injury that he had in 2018 never saw the field at all last year, didn't play a single snap. And so we still really don't know what he's going to give the Broncos. You know, can he play outside? He's a smaller guy. Is he going to fit in the slot? Which would mean the Broncos obviously need somebody else outside. And at that position, that's where there's a bunch of young guys. They drafted a cornerback out of Iowa in the third round, Michael Ojemudia. They've got uh, Devontae Bosby who played some snaps. They've got Devontae Harris who played some snaps. But there's nobody that's really proven there And so that's why it wouldn't shock me as the season gets closer, if the Broncos maybe, you know, poke around a little bit at some of these veteran cornerbacks that are still on the market, because outside of that guys, I mean, you look at the front seven, we mentioned how good they are. You've got Alexander Johnson at middle linebacker, who uh, was a first round type guy before he dealt with some legal issues after uh, being at Tennessee, he's now kind of the center of that linebacking core. We've got a really good safety group. The, the edge rushers are great. So you don't want, I don't think you want that piece at cornerback to be the one thing that makes this group fall apart. So that's why I kind of look at a veteran guy to, to maybe solidify the group.
1: What are the jets getting in former Broncos center, Connor McGovern and second part of that. Why is he not back in Denver? Why did the Broncos opt to let him go to free agency? Because he's a young guy. Um and, and obviously he cashed in, but what was the situation there that made him
2: expendable? yeah connor, a uh, great locker room guy, dependable, played really, really well i thought uh, you know he's uh i thought he struggled at times uh maybe in the in the run game, but was a good pass blocker, I thought uh, you know, he's just he's the center of your offensive line that you can depend upon. And he worked really well with drew lock dealt with three different quarterbacks last year and handled it fine. I think the reason he's not back in Denver is purely cost. It's nothing more than that. They wanted him back. I think they talked to him a little bit, uh, but obviously he took the contract out in New York. So I don't think there's any concerns there. You know, they let Matt Paradis leave a year earlier to Carolina and they did have some concerns there about his ankle and how that was going to heal up. But with Connor, I've heard nothing but good things. Don't think it was anything other than, uh, you know, being priced out a little bit. And the Broncos have not, the last couple of years, had a lot of desirable free agents that have hit the market. And this year, for the first time, they had some guys that they kind of knew they weren't going to be able to re-sign with Chris Harris Jr., Connor McGovern. Uh, Somehow had Shelby Harris, a defensive lineman, fall back to them. But, yeah, uh, uh, only good things for me on Connor.
0: Eric, my last question here is, one, it's going to be focused on the offensive line. And with Connor McGovern's departure, then in comes Graham Glasgow in comes Lloyd Cushenberry. What's your evaluation of the Broncos' offensive line? And do you think that that's potentially a matchup that the Jets could exploit when these two teams meet in week four?
2: Sure, I think that's definitely possible just because you don't know what this group is going to look like. I mean, you've got Dalton Reisner at left guard. And he was an all-rookie player last year. I think he's got Pro Bowl potential. Uh, But other than that, you know, it's possible that the rest of the group could look entirely different. Just going left to right, you've got Garrett Bowles at left tackle, who has been consistently available since he was drafted in, uh, let's see, I guess 2017 from Utah. But he's had all these holding penalties, leads the league by a wide margin in those. And so they're going to have an open competition with him there with Elijah Wilkinson, who he's played some right guard, some right tackle. But you know he doesn't have the penalty issues, but he allowed a lot of sacks last season. So that left tackle position is kind of a concern. At center, you might have a rookie starting there and Lloyd Cushenberry from LSU. At right guard, you've got Graham Glasgow, who you know he's dependable. He's played a lot of snaps, uh, a good blocker. But we just don't know yet how he fits in on this offensive line. And then at right tackle, you paid a bunch of money in 2018, or excuse me, 2019, to go sign Jawan James from the Dolphins, and he played three games last year for you, and played very minimal snaps, and so he's got to come back, and so it's just a lot of question marks along that line, I think the interior has potential to be really good, but at those tackle positions, that's where the Broncos kind of have to see things work out, I'd actually be more nervous about the right tackle position, just because You know, Garrett Bowles might have a holding penalty a game, but he's available. He's there. He's pretty good uh, outside of those penalties. Juwan James, we need to see him stay healthy.
1: Eric, I'm not going to ask you to predict uh, wins and losses for the Broncos throughout their first quartet of games. But on paper, versus Tennessee at Pittsburgh, Versus Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and then a short week coming to New York for a Thursday night game against the Jets. What do you think about that first onset of games for this team?
2: Yeah, I mean, no uh, margin for error there, huh? And uh, you know, after we play in New York, we've got a road game in New England the next week. Who we don't, we have no idea what they're going to look like. I mean, you could be looking at 0-3 right there if you slip, and then the Jets are a team that, you know, Broncos fans might have said, hey, that's a game we should win before the schedule comes out, but then it's potentially the hardest, you know, way it could have set up being on a short week across the country, Uh, so that one's going to not be easy at all either, and so the Broncos are going to be tested here early, they've just got to kind of survive this first stretch of games.
0: DA, what do you think about when the Jets and the Broncos meet up in terms of where it is in the schedule being the short week of the Jets' season coming in week four?
1: We touched upon it with Eric is that you think about these teams' schedules. Both teams are not going to have it easy. Here in the first quartet of ball games, Jets open up against the Bills, Then they got the 49ers at home, then they're in Indianapolis, and, th- and then you have the Broncos. Well, the Broncos, they host Tennessee, then they're at Pittsburgh, Ben Roethlisberger, back in the saddle for the Steelers, and then finally Tom Brady going out West, but... They got to come to the Jets on a a short week. So uh, they play each other in week four, but it's a Thursday night game. So advantage to the Jets and an advantage always playing at home on a short week. And then you think about they're coming across two time zones. I think we'll be looking at this game in December. And we will say that was a game either one of these teams had to have if they want to get to the spot they they aspire to. Meaning the Jets, I think, they got to win a game like this. Short week, Thursday night, Denver Broncos. Yes, they have talent. Yes, they can cause problems. But I, th- I think this is a game on the schedule that you say, you got to take care of business. Otherwise, you could get behind the eight ball. But shoot, would you be surprised, Greens,
0: if the Broncos came to town 0-3? I I, I wouldn't be. I don't think I would be either, and I think for the Jets, when you look at the matchups, and we talked about it with Eric a little bit, but it comes down to a couple things for me. One, if I'm Greg Williams, I'm making Drew Locke throw the ball because the Jets have a very good run defense, number two in the league last year, and if you stop Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay and you put the ball in Drew Locke's hands, well, okay, let's see what Drew Locke can do on a national stage with his new receivers early in the season. And I think that's key because we talked about maybe the pieces wouldn't have found their synergy yet by the time the Jets and the Broncos play. So I think that's key. And of course, we'll see on the flip side, talk about chemistry. We'll see how this new Jets offensive line led by Conor McGovern and at the pivot, how they handle one of their tougher tests with Bradley Chubb on one side and Vaughn Miller on the other side with Jarrell Casey in the middle. I think that the offensive line of each team will determine the winner of this game. Yeah, I agree. Offensive line and
1: cornerbacks, right? Because for the Broncos to get anything going, I think it's going to be hard for Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon behind that offensive line coming to MetLife Stadium and trying to push the Jets around on the ground. Now, you'll try to keep them honest, no doubt about it. But can Locke get the ball out of his hands quickly and in space to the likes of Judy and Sutton and Hamler? Whereas on the other side of the football, the Jets, can they have the balance with Le'Veon Bell and also provide the protection that Sam Darnold needs? Because I think Denzel Mims, Brashad Perryman, Jameson Crowder, You add Bell into the mix in the passing game, of course, the tight ends. I think the Jets can do some things through the air against the Broncos. And where I would ask you to, when we analyze this matchup is, bottom line, I think the most significant difference between these two teams is... Sam Darnold's a better player than Drew Locke at this point in his career. And I don't know what Locke's going to be. And it's going to be fascinating to see him roll up to MetLife against Greg Williams and company because uh, the Jets defensive coordinator is going to throw everything uh, at him. But Darnold entering year three, Locke entering year two. It's a totally different situation. And Darnold is also in the second year in the same offense. I, I don't know the way you see it. That's where I'm boiling this game down to quarterback advantage and to me it's a significant advantage right now
0: yeah I agree with that I don't know a lot about Drew Locke of course because one he plays in Denver and two he only played a little bit of last season so I thought it was very interesting to hear Eric talk about his work ethic just because that was something that I didn't know the only thing I knew about Drew Locke is that he has kind of a baby face and that's all I knew about Drew Locke and I'm excited to see what he can bring to the table and I'm excited to see What he looks like in week four against the Jets. And, you know, we'll see what happens. But I agree with you. I think it boils down when push comes to shove to Sam Darnold and Drew Locke. And right now, as we record this podcast, Sam Darnold is a better player than Drew Locke in the NFL. So we'll see what happens. But... That was another edition of the opponent preview series on the official Jets podcast powered by Amazon Web Services. Many thanks to Eric Delala of DenverBroncos.com and EA and I are back with the Jets' next opponent, the Arizona Cardinals.